Blog Talk Radio. Okay, can you send, uh, just send me a quick email and I'll send you one right back. I'm just starting my show. Bye. Don't mind if you got something nice to say about me. I enjoy an accolade like the rest. And you could take my picture and hang it. Good morning and welcome to Solutions Live Personal Edition. I'm your host, Chickie Fitzgerald, coming to you from Tampa, Florida. Solutions provides practical advice from authors and experts on a wide range of topics for professionals to help you leave your legacy. Thursday's lineup begins with our new segment, Real Life Heroes, at 10 a.m. At 10.30, we showcase the next generation in our show on Kids with Character. At 11 a.m., Giving in Faith in the Marketplace, and at 11.30 a.m., Intellectual Gumbo, which is a wrap-up of the week with my co-host, Chris Bradshaw. Stick around for that and add some spice into your day. Well, good morning. It is Thursday, May 21st, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and I would love to say I'm coming to you from sunny Tampa, Florida, but we are in our third day of clouds and rain, which is so totally unusual for us, but we absolutely need uh, the weather and, and uh, the moisture, so uh, we are trying to be thankful for that. Uh, we have a great show for you this morning. We are going to begin uh, at 10 o'clock with Anna O'Connor, who is uh, heading up our Real Life Heroes segment. I will get back to her in a moment, but first let me fill you in on the rest of our show. At 10.30 a.m., we will have Rini Cavallari, who is the founder of a an amazing camp for girls called Wings to Fly. And uh, she will also be having with her Janet and Claire Wilgen. And Claire is a former camper from Wings to Fly whose life has just really been transformed. Then at 11 a.m., I will welcome Frank McKinney to the show uh, for our Giving and Faith in the Marketplace segment. Frank is an entrepreneur of the highest order uh, and is also a an author and a philanthropist, and so he'll be talking about the role that his faith plays in his life. And then at 11.30, I'll have a wrap-up show where we go back and take a look at uh, everything that's gone on this week on Solutions Live. But without further ado, let me get Anna on the air. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing just great. Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, why you came to me and, and asked for the opportunity uh, to showcase what you are doing in your life right now? Well, when I was 17 years old, I was diagnosed with a cancer that is called neuroblastoma. This is primarily a childhood cancer, and it typically strikes uh, infants. It's, an, it's the number one infant cancer, and the median age of uh, diagnosis is two years old. So it was really rare for someone my age to get this cancer. So I got this cancer at 17, and then I went through one year of just the standard protocol of treatment. And after I went through that, my cancer didn't shrink at all. Um, and so then I went into experimental treatments, which are treatments that are designed by the doctors. Uh, research doctors, and they are treatments that they think will help a lot, but people, they they just aren't known. The side effects and everything just aren't known. So I was 
entered in, um, and that was six years ago. And so I've been on continual treatment for six years um, on different chemos, radiation treatments, biologic treatments. And so this last year I started a foundation called Anna's Hope because I feel like I really just want to raise money and I want to raise awareness uh, for neuroblastoma because because it's such an infant cancer, I really just want to be able to speak out about it because no one knows about it and it's the number one infant cancer. And it has one of the highest mortality rates. So I, I wanted to reach out to you just to, you know, get people, get the awareness out and get people interested in this and to possibly raise funds for this and to just also promote, I'm doing an a festival this summer and it would I just would love people to come and just support me and um, I just know that there's been so much support that I've had and I just am really excited to see what's going to happen. Well Anna tell us a little bit about about your life when you were uh, diagnosed you were still in high school or had you already graduated? Yeah it was the, it was the summer before my senior year of high school. And so and were you I, able, I mean, with all of your treatments, were you able to finish uh, school? I was, yeah, I was able to finish high school. I just, I had a couple classes left, and I had a home tutor. I went to a total of, I don't even, I think it's, it was about seven days the entire year wow. of my senior year of high school, but I I was able to graduate. And um, actually then I was able to go to college while still on treatment, and I graduated in psychology uh, two, year, two years ago. So Wow. Yeah, wow, that's great. So have you been able to get a job and hold down a job since you're still um, uh, no. in continual treatment? Yeah, I'm not able to get a job and hold down a job. I, I'm in the hospital about two days a week right now. Um, and some days it's every day, some weeks it's every day. Uh, and on top of that, I just, I sleep a lot and I just, I have a lot of bad side effects. And so it, it would be, uh, as, as well as my insurance situation is really good right now because of my parents, um, I was able to be declared a dependent so I don't have right. to worry about um, getting insurance and anything like that. So I'm not actually able to hold down a job, which is which is difficult because everyone else my age is able to move right, on. But right. I'm but at the same time, I don't. I all I really want to do is God's given me a passion to be able to to raise money for these children, and uh, I have just I just really care so much about what I'm doing that this is, yeah, I'm happy with this. Well, you know, every time I see a picture of you, and certainly when I hear your voice, both on the things that are on your website, uh, you know, you've got some different videos and different interviews, you always sound like you have a smile in your voice. And for someone who is going through continual treatment and not feeling good most of the time, can you give me a little insight on how you're able to stay up? Well, I just think that it's so important to focus on the good things in life. And to start out with, I'm not always up. I'm not always smiling. There, there of course, are times that I, I, I'm i not. Um, there are times that I can, you know, 
I just am in the hospital for a long period of time or I'm in some sort of really aggressive treatment that just knocks me out or my cancer progresses and I, and it's just, it, it, you know, there are a lot of things that are difficult, but I, I just feel that God has given me, blessed me with so many things. He's blessed me with seven years of life, even after diagnosis. God's blessed me with being able to have such a great family and such great friends. And God's just blessed me so much. And um, even in my doctors, I have amazing doctors and I have amazing nurses and I'm able to get to know them through everything that I go through. And I think that it's really important to just praise God for what what he's given you despite your circumstances. So... Well, that, that is just an amazing uh, outlook on life. And for someone uh, at your age to have such a, uh, what I will call a, a real long-term uh, legacy view of things is, is uh, one of the things that really attracted uh, me to your story. And I get about 150 speaking proposals every time I put a topic out. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, when I looked at, at the, the pictures of you and also saw you selling your jewelry, I'd like to hear a little bit about that, what what started that as, as uh, I guess, kind of the anchor for Anna's Hope. Will you tell us about that? Yeah. my One of my mom's friends makes these, started making these these necklaces that are made out of clay, but then they attach uh, just some string to it, and it, it's adjustable to, to however long you want it, and they have impressions on it. And so I, I, she came to me, and we, well, we kind of came to each other, and she was like, well, would you like to make stamps and come up with your own jewelry? And then sell them and raise money and I was just really excited about it and so I designed the logo myself the Anna's Hope written on it is my own I wrote it out and then um the I did a background um and then I go I personally go and I cut I roll out the sheets of clay I cut them up by stamp them out, and um, I get help from some friends. They help me, and that's amazing. Um, it's very time uh, – there's a lot of time that goes into it, but it's it's just a way that I have that I love to just – and then I go and I sell them. And um, before I sell them, of course, I, I glaze them, and so they're all different colors. Um, but they're just really – neat way ways to just prom- I don't to promote Anna's hope and then also to but mostly just to raise money and it's my way of giving back and it's what started everything and my foundation and um yeah and there's keychains as well that uh-huh. I made what is your goal uh, from a fundraising perspective? Do you do you have a number in mind that that you are hoping to raise this year? No, I don't have a number in in mind. I'm doing my first event in on July 18th in West Chicago, Illinois. Uh, the everything's online at www.annabanana.org and www.annashope.com. So uh-huh. that's for Anna Palooza and. But, so I don't have a number in mind, 
But the thing is, is that experimental treatments are so expensive. I was on this one treatment that cost me $50,000 a, a month uh, wow. just to be, just for me to be on that pill. And the thing is, is that um, I'm lucky that my insurance covers some of it, but my insurance doesn't cover everything. And there are treatments that, that has been out of pocket, and that those have cost almost tens of thousands of dollars. And so I just want to be able to raise as much money as I can to, right. to help. Right. And and so tell me a little bit. I you know I love the different, uh, and, and I don't know if if this was by uh, by design, but uh, was Anna Banana a nickname of yours? Or yeah, that... Anna Banana was a nickname all growing up. I think it started with just my PE teacher way back in first grade and um, everyone just it's just a fun nickname and so when I was 17 it was just a fun name to my dad put up the site so that we could tell everyone what was going on while especially while I was in the most intense treatment and um, I mean it's it's really been a blessing to have this website and um there's just been so many faithful people who come and and people who pray for me and just uh it's just amazing and and so who came up with the uh Annapalooza name cuz for for an event that is just an amazing name for for marketing that event oh thank you um i have this group of women that i meet with and i'm actually meeting with tonight and they they're sort of my board for anna's hope and so we kind of came up with it together. Um, we were like, well, we want to do a festival, a palooza. And they're like, Anna Palooza. And so that it was just a name that was thrown out there and stuck. So. Well, it's very, very marketable. And uh, I, am, I am so glad that you're going to get the chance to meet my friend Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany has headed up uh, one of the largest associations in the hotel industry uh, over the last, uh, well, she, she just finished being uh, the president of, of the board of this organization. So you might want to think about making a little bit of room on your board for her because she is just an amazing woman, uh, has an amazing network of, of people throughout the travel industry, which is where uh, she and I both have our, our roots uh, in the travel industry. And uh, over the last five or six months, she and I have both been focusing all of our efforts on learning everything we can about social networking and social marketing. So, uh, you know, I am happy to extend my my skill set to you in any way that I can help uh, promote Annapalooza. And I think, uh, as I mentioned to you in my introduction to her, she has just started uh, a new business where she's doing uh, what's called laughter yoga. And uh, I had never heard of it before, but now that I know about it, I've, I've seen things about it all over the country. But it would be really, really cool to see how she could actually conduct uh, a laughter yoga class for uh, some of these kids who are facing uh, this devastating disease and, you know, to bring some laughter uh, into their lives during a very, very dark time. Yeah, that sounds exciting. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah, the most amazing thing uh, about this radio show and and just about where God has taken me in my life and and my faith walk is I have just met the most amazing people. And you know, when I put together uh, not only this show of real life heroes, but also I've got a show at ten thirty called Kids with Character. Um, that show uh, is, is all showcasing kids who, uh, even in their own difficulties have started uh, charities or they've started businesses uh, like your jewelry uh, business where they're, they're selling products and then turning you know, those profits over to uh, nonprofit organizations or foundations that, that they are, have been instrumental in, um, in funding. So it's really, really been neat to watch uh, just the, the wide variety of people who have, have been in different challenging situations. And you know, some some have their faith to get them through. And like I said, when I when I heard your uh, videos and and listened to your story on your website, uh, you know, the one thing that just really uh, hit me was the fact that even though you still have a pretty huge mountain to climb, uh, that you're not looking at doing that alone, and that there are many many days when you can't do it alone, and your faith gets you through. Yes, definitely, that is what gets me through. So tell me a little bit about your family. You're not an only child. You actually have uh, several brothers and sisters, right? Yes, I'm the oldest of four. I have two sisters and a brother. Um, My youngest sister is 15 years old, a freshman in high school. And uh, it's really nice because because of everything, I have to live at home. So it's just really nice to be able to be at home and to see them grow up. And last night, my brother had over 10 people because he just graduated. And it was just, it's just really fun to be at home and, and to see my siblings just become in adults and to come out of their childhood and and then to just become so close to them because I'm home. Last night, me and my sister were trying on outfits and um, she was asking my advice about shirts. It's it's just really it's just great. I I have a really close knit family um, and with my parents, uh, my mom works in at home but tutoring. She tutors full time uh, from our home, which is great. And my dad goes to he teaches philosophy, so he we live right across the street from Wheaton College, which is actually where I graduated, and so my dad uh, can just walk to school there, and um, then when my mom's tutoring at night, my dad makes dinner, and my dad's the one who goes with me usually into the hospital, and that's really, so it's, God's just been so great, and my dad's flexibility with work through teaching, and uh, he usually teaches three days a week and then gets two days off uh and so he's able to go downtown with me which is just amazing but and wow. my family's all really just very strong Christians and I have a lot of extended family in the in the around here and I just have an amazing support system and I I just feel very blessed in everything that God's given me. Even the necklace thing, that was just a really close family friend that I've had since for 20 years now and she just came to me and wanted to do this and all of the all of the profits that I get, it's it's such a great the necklace is are just so great because even though there's a lot of labor that goes into them, there's almost no um, margin of 
there's no money that goes into it. It's very inexpensive to make. So it's almost exclusively, almost 100% of the profits goes straight into research. So that's great. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I'm just so blessed. Now tell me a little bit about what's going to happen at Annapalooza. Well, I'm excited, really excited about Annapalooza. Annapalooza is, July 18th, and it's going to be from 2 to 9 p.m. at my church. It's going to take place on my church grounds, and there's going to be a festival of bands. There's going to be bands playing the entire time, Um, and either between the bands or while they're going on, we're going to have tournaments such as a volleyball tournament or a some sort of a hacky sack or bags tournament or right. something along those lines and then we're going to have lots of family fun booths so we're going to have fishing like rent a fishing pole and uh donate food because and uh i mean come and buy food and drinks and everything and there's also going to be raffle prizes and door prizes and we're going to get a bouncy castle and there's going to be popcorn and it's just going to be a really fun festival outside festival where everyone just comes and brings a blanket and sits down and watches the bands or hangs out and plays volleyball and brings their kids and goes uh-huh. to all the kid events. I'm really excited about it. And, and, and so, are you selling tickets to the event, or how will you be raising money? Uh, yeah, we're not selling tickets, but you, if you come, there's there's tons of raffle prizes. Like we have a uh, raffle prize of a uh, hair, free haircut, or we have an iPod, or we. We're we're still getting lots of raffle prizes in, so we need more donations. But we have ton, that's what we're gonna be. You buy a ticket, and then you can put your ticket into the raffle prize. And at the end of the day, we'll draw the raffle. We'll draw one, a name, and then that person gets the prize. And also, we're gonna have door prizes. So every if you come, you put your ticket in, and every 30 minutes, we'll draw a new ticket, and um, that person will win some sort of a prize. So Very that, cool. and then all the money from the food will also be donated, and as well as if there's if you want to rent a fishing pole, you donate money for that as well. And also, if there's if anyone wants to be a corporate sponsor, they can come and they they can contact me, and they can uh, be put their their business can be put inside of the brochure that we're going to give out to everyone as they come in, and it it so we'll raise money that way as well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, again, I've got a couple of things that, that you and I can talk about as, as ways to promote the event and to get sponsorship even outside of the Chicagoland area. Uh, so yeah, I will be in great. touch with you. Um, you know, there, there actually is a way that you can uh, kind of sell tickets that are, are sponsorship to the event, and we can create, uh, you know, a special ticket that looks like your promo piece. Um, and I will uh, be happy to donate uh, that work to get that done for you because I, I think you have an opportunity here to get people uh, around the globe uh, behind this event, even though it is just uh, a, a local event in in Chicago. And if you can 
uh, make sure that somebody takes video and lots of pictures, we can actually put those up uh, on the Internet in a way that can uh, let people feel like they were there. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, good. Well, I uh, I will elicit uh, the help of my friend Tiffany uh, uh, to help me do that. But I think uh, it will also be a good test for the learning that she and I have had on social media uh, in the last few months, and uh, you know, to test how we can get people uh, rallied around your cause. Yeah, that and, sounds amazing. That Anna, sounds... tell me a little bit about the women who are on your board. Um, well, it's all started because I went to a gymnastics meet because my little sister was very competitive in gymnastics, and I met another mom of an, another little girl who was, uh, I said, when I say little, they were in eighth grade at the time, uh, who, uh, this other lady who was a mom of this uh, gymnastics girl and so she started we started talking and then she just approached me one day and she she happens to be in charge of all sales at WGN um, radio and television and she just said you know she wanted to help me and with and she wanted to help me raise money and so she came over I was already selling necklaces at this point and so she came over with this other lady who owns her own uh, marketing group, and then they came to my house, and then through CNCF, which is this amazing neuroblastoma networking, uh, not not just networking, but they raised tons of money for neuroblastoma research, this other lady came, and then we all meet together, and we come up with ideas, and they help me with PR, they help me with business, marketing, they help me with sales, they help me with all of these things, and they're just amazing women that just are so dedicated and very, very sweet to me. And it's just, it's just a great team. And so we all meet and we come up with ideas and we come up with what the next steps are and everything. So those are, that's why, those are the people who sort of helped me start Anna's Hope. And uh, Anna's Hope is getting in the process of getting uh, its 501c3, which is its tax deduction. So then any any donation, at at this point, any donation you make will just be uh, tax deductible, which is great. And so I hope to do, this is my first event, but I want to do several events a year. Um, there's, there's also a lady from my church who just approached me and she was, she was like, I want to help you run an event because she had done, she does a lot of event, uh, putting on events. And so, but I'm, and I was already in the middle of planning for this event. So she's been amazing and, uh, basically has just poured herself into this and just been so great. And so, I just feel so blessed in in this team of of ladies who are just so dedicated and just so willing to help out with their talent and resources. And I mean, God just puts people in my life like you today and your friend Tiffany and um, what what you're saying about the raffle tickets and the, all the media and everything. So I just I feel very blessed. Well, I, I have, uh, like I said, I've got a couple of ideas and uh, would love to link up with the women who are already helping you. I've got a, a group that I run on Fridays every week called the Executive Girlfriends Group, 
And one of the things that we're doing is rallying around various uh, charities that we can support as an organization. And uh, actually, the next guest that I've got on at 1030 uh, is a woman who runs a camp called Wings to Fly. And uh, it's a camp for girls who are 12 to 17. And uh, our organization is going to be doing what we can to provide a uh, sponsorship for, uh, for a young girl uh, to go to that camp. And so if, if we can also help uh, raise money for, for your event, that would be great. And, again, we, we have a lot of folks we know in the Chicago area as well. So uh, if you can link me up with those women, I would love to see uh, how I can help you in any way and would love to invite them uh, and you to participate in our Executive Girlfriends group. I think it would be fun. Uh, and, and also it's, it's great support, and uh, it's a, we do a phone call every Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock East, East Coast time, so I will send you an invitation to that call, and we can just adopt you. Mm, thank you so much. And you know, yeah, the other thing, because you have got a lot of time on your hands, it sounds like, um, one of the things I would really encourage you prior to this event, Anna, is, is uh, if you haven't already done it, uh, to write up your story, and we can publish that as an e-book uh, and it doesn't have to be a long book, but I think, you know, telling your story and giving giving encouragement, uh, I would love to publish, uh, you know, just that, that piece as a part of the promotion of the Annapalooza event. And uh, then also I'm doing a book uh, this summer, which will be a compilation book of the stories of the kids who are being showcased on Kids with Character and also uh, those who have uh, done entrepreneurial and and uh, things in the area of philanthropy like you're doing. And so I would love to include your chapter in my book. Oh, thank you. That would be amazing. Well, I will coach you through that and help you do that. I have uh, published a number of books and have just got another book coming out uh, this summer. So uh, if I can help you do that, we can uh, give some encouragement and help other kids uh, also leave a legacy like you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it'd be great to have my story written down. I have uh, my website, but I don't have a story right now. And that's great that you've written so many books. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I've I've got a bunch more that are sitting inside me, and I'm actually putting the Solutions Live show on uh, hiatus for the summer uh, after next Thursday's show. And uh, one of my first things that I'm going to be doing is this book called Kids for Humanity. And uh, I would love, as I said, to feature you as, as uh, one of the, the upfront stories in that book, because even though you're, you're no longer a kid, <laughs> per mm. se, you know, you are certainly out uh, and, and lobbying for other kids who are not only less fortunate uh, than yourself, uh, uh, perhaps where they don't have days where they feel good, but many of them are much, much younger than you and don't have uh, the level of maturity and faith that you enjoy and that you've been blessed with. Yes, definitely. Well, I, will, I, do, I am going to hold do. you accountable to that, uh, Anna Banana. And, and just so you know, Chicky started off as my nickname, and I had it legally changed when I was 17. So you're oh, lucky wow. that yours just ended up being a nickname and that you didn't become Anna Banana O'Connor <laughs> for real. <laughs> Well, listen, my dear, uh, our our 30 minutes is up, but it has just been really, really wonderful to connect with you and to be able to share your story on Solutions Live, and I look forward to getting to know you better over the coming months. Thank you so much for everything, and yes, I do. I, I'm excited about this, 
This well, sounds great. Exciting. Great. Well, I will talk to you soon, dear. All right. Thank you Take so care. much. Okay, great. Bye. Okay, well, that was terrific. That was Anna O'Connor, an amazing young woman who is uh, using her talents and making jewelry uh, to raise money for a charity called Anna's Hope. For more information, visit AnnaBanana.org, A-N-N-A-B-A-N-A-N-A.org. And uh, you can learn more about Anna Palooza, uh, which is a festival that she is hosting on July 18th in Chicago. And now let's switch gears and let me get my good friend, Rini, on the air. Hang on. Good morning, Rini. Morning. How are have you? you? I'm doing great. Have you dropped Bella off yet? No, oh, she's waiting in the wings, so to speak. And <laughs> so we're going to head out after we get a chance to talk to you about Wings to Fly and introduce you to one of our fabulous campers and our mama. So well, uh, we're, we're doing what all women do this morning. We're balancing 15 things because the 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 help didn't come. So you know how that is. I do know how that is, and I am so glad that you are flexible, but I, I certainly know that about you. Uh, for our listeners, Rini and I uh, have known each other for nearly seven years now and have had just a wonderful blending of uh, uh, business relationship and, and uh, deep, deep, deep friendship that has uh, uh, just grown better and better over the years. And one of the things that I absolutely love about Rini is that uh, – she is not only an incredibly positive person, but she has an amazing talent for sharing uh, all of the things that she has garnered uh, you know, through the years in her life, which have been filled with uh, both some really amazing things and some, some challenging things. She's a single mother, and, uh, but has just done an, an amazing job of building her business, which is called Aspire Live, and uh, has also recently, uh, actually in the last two years, founded a charity called Wings to Fly. And, Rainy, can you tell us how that came about? Well, Wings came about, I think, many, many years ago as, as a, a dream and what I knew would be a legacy that I would hope to leave behind, which is uh, to give girls the gift of self-confidence that, every piece of research and my own personal experience and the gifts that I've had have really all been a derivative of having the self-confidence that allows you to make decisions that serve you. And so at Wings we say self-confidence is the gift of a lifetime. And um, so I was really, it was a very much a self-motivated knowing uh, component to Wings, and then as I spoke to women all around the country and even the world, we all have that in common. And then men, the same thing. They would see their daughters and they'd say, ah, you know, she has so many gifts and so much potential, but she doesn't see it within herself. So Wings is a camp, seven nights and eight days, and it's for normal, what I call normal girls with normal challenges like self-image and um, mean girl challenges at school or wanting the right friends or finding friends, fitting in, you know, what to eat, what not to eat, worrying about acne, stuff we all went through, um, and having a place where you can explore all those things for yourself. Well, I I am just so excited about the camp for for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, I am the mother of an 11-year-old who is about to go into middle school, 
and she has uh, led what I, not a terribly sheltered life because we're we're pretty open with her. But she has uh, been in private school, uh, you know, since really she was two and a half, and has been at a Christian school where, uh, you know, while there are still mean girls and and there are still things that uh, are challenging, she's going to go from a class of forty. Uh, girls right now in the fifth grade to a class uh, of 640 in public school in the fall. And uh, part of me is absolutely terrified about that, but I also know that we have laid uh, in her a a really, really strong foundation to build on. But since she will be 12 next summer, I am telling you right now that I would like to reserve my place for my little Kira uh, next summer in that camp because I just think that especially after a year of being in such a large school exposed to kids of all beliefs and faiths and different levels of self-confidence, you know, I just really think that that will be a wonderful place for her next summer. Well, I'll suggest this to you. One of the things that we do at Wings Camp, um, we do have an application process. And what's important about the application process is that it's the first lesson for girls to understand that if you want something, you must apply yourself. So there is an application. We accept all girls, um, with the exception of if we don't have space in camp, and that's a first-come, first-served basis, so we're going to have to get Kara in there early. And then the second piece is um, we are an education and inspiration camp. We're focused on the four building blocks of a girl's life, financial, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And in that, uh, we really, when it comes to any mental health issues, um, you know, anorexia, um, uh, depression, uh, bulimia, these are really very, very important for girls to get the a proper medical attention, and we do not um, have the resources to support that at camp. So outside of that, the whole application process is really this first step and in, in really that wonderful feeling of knowing that you got something you wanted, the empowered sense um, I, I got it because I applied. So we'll have to get her in, and you can get applications even for this summer. Um, we have a June camp coming up as well as a July camp, and we've had a couple of June cancellations, so there are a couple of last-minute openings that have occurred, and all of the applications are at wingstofly.info. That's wingstofly.info. You just download the application and you fax it in and you're on your way. So it's a very quick process. We also, um, 100% of the funds that we get received from grants from our fundraising events. Um, yesterday I was at a beautiful event that was a ladies' high tea. And, we, you know, we raised thousands of dollars. We've had um, the Meeting Planners International did a golf tournament a couple of days ago and they raised thousands of dollars. So we take 100% of those funds and give it back for scholarship in girls. And so this allows us to have a beautifully diverse group of girls and to have the money to ensure that diversity is a core value for our girls. Because the more we're exposed to in, sense, in terms of diversity, the less we fear. And the less we fear, the stronger we are and the more confidence we have. Well, I just, I really love the way that you approach the camp, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing uh, from Claire about her experience. Now, she, she went when she was much younger, so you you at the time accepted kids who were 10 and have since uh, changed that age limit from 12 to 17. 
Uh, was there something behind that change, or, or did you just need to narrow the field so that the kids had more in common? Well, it's a great question, and we did change it very consciously from the starting age of 10 and moving the starting age to 12. Um, the gap between 10-year-old and 17-year-old was just too broad for the topics that we were covering and for the emotional requirements to engage because these girls are all hanging out with each other. Right. And so in our research, and we've um, been studying girls and studying what really helps bring the self-confidence and allow them to make responsible choices, at the 12-year-old mark, um, there's a lot of commonality that as, because they're really close to that, that pre-teen moment and their bodies are changing. Um, they're exposed to a lot more socially at this point. Um, they're, they're more grounded in certain areas and also they've pulled away from home a lot more by the time they've turned 12. So it was a very conscious decision. In some cases, we'll, we will take 11-year-olds. Um, Simply, uh, it usually tends to be when they are maybe the third sibling, they're the youngest of three or four. So right. they've had that maturity level that they can um, keep up and they won't feel uncomfortable with some of the older girls. Um, we take our 16 and 17-year-old girls, and they actually are our team mentors. So we have those girls, um, not only do they go through the entire camp experience, they're also hanging out with our coaches. And um, we use a coaching approach to camp versus a traditional, um, what, we, what you hear of camp counselors. Counselors tend to tell girls, you know, do this or do that. They, they tend to be um, directing uh, quite a bit. And, um, and this is just the approach to that kind of camp experience where if there's two girls that are having a thing, you know, one counselor says to the, you know, Susie, you need to apologize to Beth, and Beth, you need to apologize to Susie, and we need to not have this because we don't have this at camp. And that really, from a standpoint of brings the fly, we're not taking that moment of conflict and helping girls learn how to effectively work through it so they have the power in the future to create resolution around their conflicts in their life versus accept that it's the way it is, you say you're sorry, and you pretend like you don't feel bad about it. Right, we don't really right. need to practice that. At least I certainly didn't need to practice that when I was going <laughs> to camp. And so our coaches are certified coaches through the Aspire system, um, which we put certification um, all around the world. And we Aspire donates all that certification to our coach to our coaching team. And coaches go in and they they just work with girls in a softer approach to help them explore the relationships Susie may want with Beth and Beth may want with Susie, and how they might create that. And it's done very individually, and it allows girls to, to reflect on what they want versus being told what they have to do, being, being forced into a situation um, that feels uncomfortable for them. And so now they're going against their instincts, and we're, we're really messing with their trust instincts. So right. we really try and um, raise a, a, the girl to, to appreciate what she wants and therefore take action so she can have it. And what's beautiful is they come to a healthy resolution and now it's all done. And so wouldn't that be nice if we were really learning that skill at 12 years old and 15 years old and 17 versus at 30 and 40 and some of the 50 and 60. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so camp, um, you know, that that's really one of the cool 
that happens, and it's all fun with purpose. Nobody's sitting around lecturing about the five steps to conflict resolution. It's experiential in nature. And so tell me uh, just quickly, because I know you're going to have to run in a few minutes uh, when, when Claire and Janet join us. But tell us a little bit about the financial side. You mentioned that you, you have the financial side of life as, as one of the tenants of the camp. Yes. Um, the, one of our research indicates that girls with a um, f- financial intelligence, in other words, they have been taught how to make money work for them versus most of us, and I can speak for myself, I grew up with a working-class family outside of Philadelphia. My father was a teacher. We were always struggling. I learned to fear money. You had to have it, and you'd never had enough of it. What I've learned as an adult is you have to have it, and you never have enough of it. So the lesson seems to still be the same. It's right. just how you choose it, how you look at it. So instead of fearing it, because now you have financial intelligence, you, you, you make it work for you. And so our girls... They're using an income statement the first day of camp. They have camp money. They earn money. They lose money because of bad decisions that they make, just like in life. You didn't get there on time. Ooh, that could cost you two bucks. Um, And you went the extra mile and you were supportive of a friend. We call that paying it forward. You might have earned five bucks. And so at the end of camp, um, we actually have beautiful gemstones that um, we work with a jeweler with, and girls get to take their earnings based on the effort they put forth, just like in life, They and the decisions that they made, the choices that they made, now they have money to buy the gemstones using camp dollars, and of course, Wings to Fly underwrites all those, the cost of those gemstones, and um, they, make ne- they can make a necklace for themselves, they can make up to two things. So now they have something physically and tangible that is tangible that allows them to show the success of their, them, their decisions. And their, their decisions affect them, yes, spiritually, they affect them physically, emotionally, and financially. So all four of our building blocks are alive and, you know, they're really interfacing throughout camp. Um, camp is $1,500 for seven nights um, and eight days. It includes everything, transportation, all the activities. We are at a beautiful um, lodge, in, which is on a working cattle ranch, 300 acres, sinkholes. It, it's just spectacular, beyond what you could imagine. And we do um, offer scholarships, and the scholarships are handled very privately. So no girl knows what's being paid. They all know that camp is $1,500. So we take that element on that financial labeling off of girls as well throughout the camp experience. Right. Well, that's really terrific. I would like for you uh, to introduce our guests to let me get them on the air, and you can uh, do that introduction. Okay. Well, Claire, are you there? Yes. Hi, Claire. And uh, Janet, are you there? Yes, I am. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, all these listeners out there, I want to introduce you to this very extraordinary young woman, um, Claire Wildren, who is just um, a delight. Claire joined us at camp in Breckenridge, Colorado in 2007. Um, she was 10 at the time, and now she's 12, and she has been a spokesperson um, for Wings in so many ways, and I would bet if you were to ask Claire, would she have thought she was going to be a spokesperson? 
Hello? Hi. Hi. Uh, would I you have thought you were going to be a person? No. No. Well, and also I want to introduce Janet, her mama, who I've known for, well, a lot of years. How's that, Janet? And That's a lot of years. It's <laughs> a lot of years. And um, Janet is a fantastic mom who really has been extraordinarily supportive of Claire as she's explored how she wants to live and the choices that she makes. And with that, I will turn it over to you, Chicky. Thanks, Brini. Okay, well, great. Well, Janet, you and I had a chance uh, to chat a little bit about uh, what what this was like from a parent's perspective, and I'd like to actually start with that before we jump to uh, hearing from Claire. Uh, you and your husband uh, signed up for the camp. Clearly, you had known Rini for a long time and, and trusted uh, not only her judgment but her experience, and uh, I think you knew firsthand what her training was like uh, having been in the hospitality business. Um, but did you have any idea what you guys were in for when you dropped Claire off at camp? I had no idea. I, I mean, Rini has done um, an amazing uh, job with, you know, in the hospitality industry, specifically working with with my team in uh, my position. And um, so it, it's certainly a way of life in the office. And, um and so taking uh, those elements, uh, taking those elements into the um, into the home, absolutely made perfect sense. And I was anxious to see how that would uh, develop our lives. And so, when you picked her up, what was uh. different? Well, well, we the the wonderful thing about our experience picking uh, Claire up was that we had an opportunity to spend about um, five hours, four or five hours, with uh, the coaches and um, have a wonderful uh, lunch with our um, with our daughters and uh, Rini and her team were able to sit with us and really. You know, share some of the things and the tools that we were going to be able to use at home and what our our daughters experience not going so much into camp um what happens at camp stays at camp but you know really giving us the adult tools in which we could use and there was a lot of information and uh we were very anxious to to drive away with claire and i could i and i do want to share this um uh, this story and um, to kind of give you an idea of exa- the immediacy that I that we experienced, what happened, um, and the and the the things that Claire um, used or or learned, and was clearly going to continue using them with us, and um, we were I'll, I hope to be brief on this. <laughs> I know we're limited on time, but it's such a great story uh, that. We picked up Claire, and uh, we were driving back, and we were kind of mulling over in our own space the um, uh, the information that we had just received. And you know, Claire was her her seven days at camp, and uh, she was sitting quietly in the back seat, and um, Kevin and I were quietly sitting in our our seats. And we approached the traffic light, and Kevin was was definitely going to go right through it. I thought. <laughs> And so I 
did my usual, you know, swinging my arm and slapping him on the on the chest and um, you know, stop the car, the, the normal scream and and uh, <laughs> so we came to a screeching halt and Kevin, you know, he stopped and uh, we started a little bicker and Clarice again was sitting in the back seat and she said, uh, you know, we started driving again and. Uh, Kevin pulled over so that I could take over and drive, since I didn't seem to think that he could really do this. And, um, <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the typical, the in the norm norm of life. And uh, so Claire observed all this, and um, anyhow, moving on. When we finally got in uh, back into the line of traffic, Claire calmly said, "Mom, are you mad?" And of course, I said, "Yes, I'm mad." And Claire said, Dad, are you mad? And, yes, I'm mad. And then Claire said, Mom, how do you feel inside right now? I said, I'm angry, and I don't think your dad pays attention to uh, when he's driving, and it scares me. And, uh, and Claire was, Dad, how do you feel? And all of a sudden there's this conversation going on, which was, you know, just that wasn't exactly what I would expect a conversation to happen. It hadn't happened before in 11 years, so, you know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, dad said, I'm angry and I don't like how mom reacts and she screams while I'm driving and it scares me. And, you know, and well, dad, what would you like mom to do the next time she thinks you're not paying attention when you're driving? When Kevin says, you know, she doesn't need to yell at me. She could just say something like, you know, did you know that the light's red? And I wouldn't get so angry. Mom, wow. do you think that you can not do that and not scream at Daddy when he sees uh, when he um, if he if he sees the red light? And I said, like, Yeah, I guess I can do that. Dad, do you think you can when you're coming to a red light, you can slow down so Mom knows that you're going to stop? Yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> you know, so that was wow. the beginning. That was just minutes from leaving camp, and. Um, you know, she she asked, "Do you feel better? Everybody feel better?" Yeah. So it was a communication. Um, you, you know, it was the beginning. Like I said, the beginning of a new way of communicating. Wow. So uh, Claire, so I I want to hear from your side, and you know, you were ten, and and having just spent a year with a 10-year-old, uh, and, and my daughter is, is uh, you know, quite advanced, I think, in her, her social skills and, and uh, frequently will jump in with the same kind of comments. But that that's not typical of a 10-year-old. So what happened after camp? I mean, were you able to sustain uh, the things that you learned at Wings to Fly? Um, yes. Actually, I began to be more open with my parents and my friends. And I was able to actually talk to people and actually believe that they're going to help me. And I just became more open. So tell me a little bit, before you went to camp, what did you, did you just think this was going to be, you know, just fun and just getting to know other girls? Did you really know that there was going to be some transformation that was going to happen inside of you? No, I actually did not know that I was going to change at all because I just thought it was just fun and games and stuff like that. But the change that it made for me, I'm very happy that I went. Well, I, I'll tell you, when I look at your face and in, in the various pictures that have been shared, uh, you 
you have a level of maturity that comes across in uh, just in your smile, and I, I can just tell how poised you are, which, again, for a 12-year-old, that's usually a very, very clumsy time of life. And uh, it's exciting to see, just even on your face, the, the picture of you at camp sitting on your bed to where uh, you were doing uh, the fundraising uh, with Rini uh, at the event. So how did it make you feel to be able to stand up in front of a room of people at a podium and, and talk about your experience? Were you a little scared about that? Um, kind of, but I have learned to kind of subside and just look at the bright things and not think about, oh, no, what if I'm going to fall off the stage or something like that? <laughs> now, do you still keep in touch with some of the girls who were at camp with you? Uh, yes, we um, talk through email and stuff, and Facebook and all of that. Uh huh. So, so have have they also uh, kind of sustained what they learned? Because quite often you'll go off to uh, a camp or a retreat or or you know any kind of event that is meant to you know really lift you up and raise you up, and and you'll be on a high for a little while after you go. But, you know, to see sustained transformation and to see behavioral change that actually sticks with you, I mean, that's what I am so impressed about with uh, the stories I've heard. Uh, so so tell me from your perspective, um, you know, do you hear the same things from your friends who were at camp too? Um, I think that they have all changed in good ways, and I think they're all better people now. Not that they weren't before, but right. So, what do you think made? Mm-hmm. What do you think made you better? Um, I think maybe the well, there was girls. There was girls in the camp that I didn't know, and so then I pushed myself to actually become friends because everybody wants friends anywhere they go, and. Right. People always would just, it's a very loving environment at Wing Supply, and it's very inspiring to me, I think, and yes. Well, that is just very cool, and, and uh, you know, I'm just so proud of you at age 12 uh, to be sharing the message about Wings to Fly, uh, because I think... Uh, you certainly, as you go into your teen years, are going to need some pretty big wings to fly through the emotional things that get thrown at you from your friends. But it sounds like you are very, very well equipped to do that. So would, what would you say to, uh, to a young girl who was considering uh, going to camp or, or has, you know, their mom has, has asked them to apply for camp? What would, what would be your words of wisdom? I think that you should just try it you might well you probably will end up liking it but I know one of the girls at first felt like this because she went to soccer a soccer camp and she wasn't too excited to come because she had to leave the soccer camp but after she went home she was very happy of the decision she made and so I think it would be a very good decision to come to camp this year and Chicky um Claire actually had an opportunity last night to talk to a, a gal that was considering going to camp. And, um, you know, as, he, as you and Rini were talking about, you know, the, the cliques and the, the mean girl, um, you know, when you think about camp, you think about the cliques. And, and right. that was one of her concerns, and Claire was able, hopefully able to talk her through 
um, that that was not the environment that she would find at Wings to Fly, that it was very much a a group um, because it, it because it is an intimate and, lo- and loving um, community with um, you know established sets of values that right. did, and um, those values just continue on. That is so great. Well, thank you guys for sharing your story today. Rini, can you remind people of how to uh, learn more about Wings to Fly and how to get an application uh, for any 12- to 17-year-old girls who could benefit from this? Absolutely. So wingstofly.info is where you can um, please send your daughters, your nieces, your friends, um, any girls. The site is really built for girls to engage, and on the site under participate is an application that you can just print out and fax to us, and all the details are right there on the site. If someone would like to get in touch with me directly um, to talk through, because we talk to every parent or legal guardian before um, any applications are accepted, um, and we only we make our acceptances um, directly with the girls through that process. So uh, you can always reach out to me, 480-215-0653. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, and have an amazing day. And thank you for uh, leaving that legacy, Rainey. Well, it's, it's an honor to work with such extraordinary parents and girls. It's my favorite thing. Well, next to being a mom. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, Thank guys, you. and I will talk to you later, Rini. Okay. Well, it has already been an amazing morning. I want to move right into getting our next guest on the air. Uh, our next guest is Frank McKinney. And hang on one second, and I will get him on the air. Okay. Good morning. Is this Frank? Hi, Chicky. Good morning. Wow. This has been fun just listening into that previous uh, interview. Oh, I'll tell you what. Um, My friend, Rini Cavallari, who is the one who uh, actually founded this camp, uh, has just taken uh, a real long-term view of of what it takes to make women who have strong self-esteem and that you have to begin when they're young. And so she's created this terrific camp uh, that teaches uh, these 12 to 17-year-old girls everything from uh, the social side of things, the spiritual side of things, uh, certainly the physical of taking better care of their bodies and, and learning about how their bodies are changing during that time, and also financial, which I think is really amazing. And, and I, you and I are going to talk a bit about business and faith in the marketplace and uh, about giving and giving back. And uh, one of the things, well, there were a lot of things that attracted me to having you on the show. First of all, you were recommended my, by my very, very dear friend. And Svetlana Kim, uh, who mm-hmm. I have had as a guest on my show, and also just the fact that you were uh, at Bob Berg's uh, Extreme Makeover, which I just so wanted to be there. I've never wanted to be two places in, in one time as much as that weekend. I, I had another commitment, but uh, I'm already getting it on my calendar for next year. So, Good. Frank, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, let's see. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. I, Absolutely. Uh, I... I came down to Florida after going to four high schools in four years, and it wasn't by choice, Jakey. I was asked to leave one after the next until I 
graduated with a 1.8 grade point average and, and hopped off a plane in sunny South Florida with a $50 bill in my pocket at, at the age of 18 without the hopes of pursuing a formal education. And then I talk about seeking one's professional highest calling. You're, you know, what is your highest calling in life? And at 18, um, I didn't know what it was, but I knew what it wasn't, and it wasn't being this you know troublemaking juvenile delinquent right. bouncing from school to school. I wanted to leave a legacy, and so I uh, I started uh, at a four dollar an hour job digging sand traps on a golf course. I was moved to the tennis courts where I maintained those. I happened to be around affluence when I was uh, at the impressionable age of eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You know, kind of the lifestyles of the rich and famous days of Robin Leach. And uh, I, I was around people who were involved in, in real estate or who made their fortune, I should say, in real estate. And so I followed their path. And in 1986, I came off the tennis court. As a, I, I was a teaching uh, tennis pro for a while. I, I started to invest in real estate 23 years ago and bought my first little $50,000 fixer-upper and made it the nicest little uh, crack house on the block because it was a bad house in a bad neighborhood. That was a, made I made a nice house in a, in a bad neighborhood, sold it, and made seven grand, and then from that point forward, uh, we for, for for five years we did no, no houses worth more than a hundred thousand uh, dollars. In the 1991, we moved onto the oceanfront in, in Palm Beach County and started uh, building beautiful mansions on speculation, meaning we build them without a buyer in mind. And, and right. we started at 2.2 million dollars, and now today we we've created the largest and most expensive certified green home in the world at 29 million dollars and 15,000 square feet. That's so my what happens story. to a young guy who, you know, has come from that background, ends up uh, in, in the midst of all that opulence and all that money? Um, where, where do you go from there? It, you well, know, I, do you feel like you've achieved at that juncture? No, I, you know, no, no way. I mean, what, what we're achieving through our Caring House Project Foundation right now, which is uh, our, our foundation that we've had since 1998 that builds entire self-sufficient villages, primarily in Haiti, um, that that takes up it, nearly half of my my waking hours, my working time. Uh, so so the the I guess the mansions that we build now, yes, you know what what I create is artistry on a sun drenched canvas called the Atlantic Ocean. And these houses, uh, you go to our our website, which is just frank-mckinney.com, and you can see some of the most beautiful homes you'll ever see. And and we're, that's my gift from God is is that I, I don't I'm not a Van Gogh or Renoir or Monet I don't paint but what I do create is artistry that you can happen you happen to be able to live in, and we're pretty well known around the world for doing so. But those will crumble. Those will be demolished at some point. It's right. the legacy that we're leaving over with these families, taking them from desperation to hope, from what I call survival to thrival. Uh, that's what to me it's all about. Wow. Well, tell me a little bit more about this whole sustainable uh, village because, you know, I am absolutely uh, enthralled by the concept that you don't just go in and build homes for these people who, you know, don't have a place to live. You actually create an environment where their lives can change. And uh, I have a passion for helping people understand uh, entrepreneurialism and, and how to uh, really change their lives through, you know, taking control of, of their own talents and channeling those, you know, using the gifts that God uh, has given them and would love to know how I can participate in, in, in helping you in that project. Well, let, let's help those who you're helping really first by helping them understand as an entrepreneur, a business owner, somebody who wants to make it big, that the sooner we realize that God rewards responsible stewards, 
with the more that we all pray for, the more health, wealth, happiness, love, relationships, peace, whatever it is, the more that we pray for, for more for ourselves or those that we love, why is it that some people's prayer for mores, prayers for more are answered when others go unanswered? And I've learned, and I reflect this in my great new book called The Tap, which is really an expansion upon the biblical passage from the Gospel of Luke, to whom much is entrusted, much is expected. Once you understand that and, and interweave that into your business plan, it is a part of my way of doing business. It is not... God is not meant for one hour on Sunday. God is invited into the boardroom. He's invited into these decisions. So when I decide to build a $29 million spec home, boy, oh, boy, do I know when that house sells how many little houses I'll be able to build over in Haiti. So when, I, when one can dovetail their professional highest calling with their spiritual highest calling, isn't that the essence of living? And it took me a long time. Believe me, as a young man, I didn't get that. I was all about the bottom line. It was all about the materialistic things and you know, succeeding for the sake of money. And then as I transitioned into a more responsible steward in my mid-30s when we started our Caring House Project Foundation, now it's very simple, Chicky. I, I, I sell to the rich so I can give to the poor. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a legal modern-day Robin Hood where I can live out that childhood fantasy of taking care of those less fortunate through the means by which I make my living. And, and so in Haiti, yes, we, we take uh, – we're building a village in, in Cabaret right now that was devastated by four hurricanes in the 30-month uh, – I'm sorry, a 30-day span last year. And so I am building 60 houses, a clinic, a community center, um, a church – an orphanage, a renewable food, providing renewable food, goats, chickens, pigs, avocados, uh, mangoes, and a fishing cooperative, and re- uh, clean drinking water. Uh, you know, we're talking about t- touching hundreds, hundreds of lives. The average size of a family in Haiti is eight. You know, I, I can build an entire village over there for about three hundred thousand dollars. The average cost of a home in Palm Beach, one home in Palm Beach County. So. You better believe that when I understood that responsible stewardship guaranteed success in the business that we're all in, you know, the business of life, I now make it a part of my, my daily plan. Now, Frank, you have written uh, actually three books, but the, this, uh, this latest one, The Tap, is the one that really talks about this whole uh, process of, of uh, integrating your faith into your life uh, completely and, and not excluding your business life. And, and I know for a lot of, of business people, and, and particularly those who are incredibly successful, that it's really easy to compartmentalize your life. So, so tell me a little bit more about the tap and, and what really got you to the place where you felt you needed to write that book. Yeah, Chickie, I've actually written five books, and I, the, three, the three new books that I wrote simultaneously that were released all on the same day, three different genres. Wow. One of them, be, one of the, one of the, it was fun. One of them, I never had writer's block. <laughs> if I did, I just <laughs> moved from one genre to the next. Well, one of the, the, the tap book was the most significant responsibility I felt in sharing. If you look at the cover of the tap, that is the hand of God coming down off the Sistine Chapel, touching you, the reader, right. on the shoulder. We have these wonderful, life's great tap moments when God does call us to more. We're asking for it. He calls us, yet we feel that tap as an annoyance, as a, like a big fly that's landing on our shoulder that we shoo away because we say we don't have time for others. We don't have time for caring for the less fortunate. 
It's all about the I and the me instead of the you and the we. And so I felt compelled to share how I have experienced life's great tap moments and, and saw in others that I look up to. You know, contrary to the statement you just made about successful people compartmentalizing, there are also those, my mentors, and I'm talking about some that are extremely, you know, on the Fortune top 100 richest people in the world list, that are extremely philanthropic and extremely charitable and understand the responsibility associated right. with success. And so in the tap, I use a, you know, a, a very obvious high-profile example of Bill Gates. You know, basically in the tap, I say God does reward people who are responsible stewards for what they already have. God does handpick people to become keepers of a larger territory. Bill Gates is a wonderful example. You know, do you think he... Do you think he became the richest person in the world by chance? Or do you think God knew right off that he was going to be a responsible steward for the billions of dollars that he was going to make through the invention of an operating system called Microsoft? Right. What most people don't know are the millions and millions of lives that Bill and Melinda Gates saved through their foundation. And, 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 Bill, and Bono had a great, Bono, the lead singer of U2, when he was awarded Time Person of the Year with Bill Gates a couple of years ago, had a great statement that said, you know, Bill Gates will change the world twice. And it's the second act that will be more important than the first. Right. Second act being what he does with his charity. So I think for us as business people to live a, a life where we can justify and rationalize compartmentalizing, oh, Chicky, it's only business. I had to do it to you because it was only business. No, that's a bizarre behavior. There's only one way to live your life. And, I, and it isn't compartmentalizing. You can compartmentalize time, but not actions. Right. Right. Absolutely. So tell me, tell me what you spoke about uh, in, in your talk at Bob Burke's uh, session. Oh, you, generally. You and shared. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, we talked about, you know, it touched on all the content of, of each of the three books, one being spiritual, inspirational, uh, that being the tap, and then the Burst This book, which uh, came out, Burst This, Frank McKinney's Bubble Proof, real estate strategies, you know, I've been in this real estate business for 23 years and, and went from that $50,000 fixer-upper to now the most expensive spec homes in the world. And, and the book kind of teaches people how to, hey, you know what, this, this uh, recession we're suffering from, we've been there before. I studied six different real estate cycles dating back to the mid-70s to show the reader kind of what to expect when we are in the midst of a downturn and when we're going to correct and how to look for the, the tea leaves, you know, the low-hanging fruit days that we're in now. And then I wrote a, a young young reader fan novel, um, you know. So I basically just t talked about the content of the books and, and also what I just shared with you. How, you know, to me, if if you see a responsible business, a, a successful business person, most likely if they have that legacy kind of network, that generational pass from one generation to the next, they get the concept found behind the tap. I often say, you know. I'm all for this uh, power of attraction, you know, the law of attraction and the secret and all that. But that's very, it's a very materialistic message. You know, right. you cross your legs and hold your fingers together and a BMW is going to fall down your chimney. Uh, that, that's, just, that's just not how it is. You, you can't learn the secret until you've been tapped and you understand the responsibility associated with sharing those blessings. Well, not only that, but, you know, I, I think the thing that always hits me with kind of, uh, you know, what I call the universalist view of, of the messages that come across in The Secret and, and other similar books. This would be like somebody looking at one of these fabulous mansions 
that you have have created through the artistic talent uh, that God has given you, and for them to say that the universe had created that house, and then you know you you sit aside and you say, but no, wait a minute, <laughs> that's a Frank McKinney creation, and and I think the same thing is true about looking at at the laws of attraction, which which are actually God's laws uh, in our lives, and to not attribute it to Him, and He does have a name, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I am not my provider and i am not uh you know the one who who created my own brilliance whatever whatever i'm brilliant at and right. uh you know i think it's interesting but but again it's like looking at a painting and and not recognizing that there's an artist behind it and that that artist does have a name or looking at a fabulous uh book that you love or or even a great wine that you're drinking and not to acknowledge that there's a wine master behind it so uh, i love the fact that you have uh taken a, a set of talents and uh, that you do acknowledge that uh, that talent uh, didn't didn't just come from inside of yourself, that, that it was actually a gift. It was a gift, and it was meant to be used for the benefit of more than just me and my family. Absolutely. And, and we, we all have those gifts. You see, I reference in the tap book, everybody experiences these, these tap moments, which is the opportunity to share the more that you want, and the more that you have in order to gain the more that you want. And, and it's just so sad when I see people not believing that that is the case. How, how many times have I been asked, especially recently, Chicky, how are we going to get out of this mess, Frank? How is the economy going to get out of this mess? How is the real estate market going to get out of this mess? How am I, Frank, woe is me, going to get out of this mess? And I say simply, you're not going get to get out of it. You're going to give your way out of it. That's the right. only way in this time you're going to get out of what you're in is, is by giving. And I'm not talking about, you know, maybe you don't have the money to give, but the Bible references the three T's, sharing of the time, talent, and treasure. And, and believe me, for many years before we had the treasure or even the talent, I shared plenty of nights out there feeding the homeless from the back of a beat-up old van. And right. uh, that was, that was, that's what kind of honed my tap muscle, if you will. Well, the interesting thing, Frank, is is over the last six months, and, and my background is, is the travel industry, and I, I've spent 30 years in the travel industry, but six months ago, I got asked by one of my dear friends here in Tampa to start volunteering my time as a mentor in an organization called Real Estate Lives. And as you know from being in Florida, here in Tampa, uh, easily 20% of our economy comes from the combination of commercial and residential real estate, the mortgage banking business, title companies, you know, construction, all of the, the ecosystem within the real estate community. And, you know, it's like, what am I doing, you know, donating my time to this organization? Because, you know, most everybody else who, who is involved in it has a background, uh, you know, in some, some area of real estate. And so I, I found it really interesting when Svetlana uh, told me about you and, and when I saw that, that you were uh, uh, not only deeply involved in real estate, but that you had written some, you know, pretty significant books, uh, including – uh, your maverick approach to real estate success, which I guess was uh, was that one of your earlier books? Yep, that was book number two. Got it. And and uh, so you know, I I don't know how all of these things weave together, but I do know that the Grand Weaver knows. And uh, you know, I just I I love the fact that people are coming uh, into my life that uh, make a lot of the things that have gone on in the last six months make sense to me. Uh, because my husband and I have been in, in a, a very, very difficult time financially, but we have never been closer to each other, never been uh, stronger in our faith. 
and uh, our family has just taken a really cool turn, uh, and we're looking forward to spending the summer. We've got young kids, even though he and I are uh, both in our 50s. We've got uh, a 9- and 11-year-old. And so, um, you know, it's just it really is amazing what can come out of this time. And I love that you say giving your way out of, uh, of where we are is, is the path out, because I, I believe that with all my heart. Well, I, there's a prayer that I pray. First of all, if you have a 9- and 11-year-old, please, um, at, when we're done, uh, or, or email me your, I think I have your ad address. i got to send them a Dead Fred book, my, well, the Young Reader Fantasy novel, if they're into those kind of things. Oh, absolutely. It, it is, it, there's a great message in that book, because the, the protagonist, the primary character in that book, is a very shy, a very meek, and a very timid little girl that's been displaced from Indiana to Florida. And she's charged with this overwhelming task of, of uh, ridding the underwater uh, world known as high voltage of a 50-foot prehistoric shark that's come back to life known as a megalodon, had a, had a bite stronger than a T-Rex. And then this little girl, it's a, it's a lesson in building self-confidence. And she has to rid this little, not little, this village from this mega shark. Anyway, so I think it's a great book for kids and parents alike because I've, you know, I've walked my daughter to school, Chicky, every single day since pre-kindergarten, and she is 10. Oh, so, really? Wow. Yeah, Sarah and that's just cool. turned 11. And uh, Sergey, we adopted from Russia six years ago, and uh, he just turned nine. And they're, they're uh, well, both avid readers. Well, I'm, you, you got to give this book to them because we're going up against the Narnias and the you know the Potters of the world, and, and so far so good. I mean, you know, the, the creativity and ingenuity and, and uh, innovativeness that I bring to the houses, I, I lit pour out on this this novel, 336-page novel, and uh, I tell you what, I had more fun writing that. But back to the prayer that we that I, I I've recently been praying because, like everybody, you know, I, I'm suffering, and, and and I'm I'm in I'm in a survival mode too. You know, things aren't coming. Usually, Frank McKinney would finish a mega house, and, and within weeks of it being done, it would be sold, right. and there would be and we it would be sold for almost full price based upon the you know the kind of the brand that is. That's not the case anymore, and, and so with with the banks being as they are, and, and and us, you know, losing equity and losing, you know, the value of some of our our portfolio, I, I concur with what you said about you and your husband having your faith stronger than ever. One prayer that I've been praying that really has been working is something to the effect of God for everything that I lost. Let my faith be strengthened by an equal sum. Right. And it's and it's and you know what? What I thought I lost, you know, what, whatever it is that I have left, dear, dear God. Uh, please let me not lose everything. And what I do have left, um, don't let me take for granted again what it is that I have, regardless if it's financial or just you know the the person, people around me that that love me. And then the prayer closes with saying, and please for everything that has been lost from whatever was, let my faith be strengthened by equal sum. And it's 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 amazing how it it works, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know it's so funny because before. My prayer would have been focused on, you know, you know, kind of restoring us financially, just so that we could get, you know, back on top again. And, and you know, I mean, we came from from a, a very, very comfortable place. We've been very, very blessed in my consulting business over the last 13 years. And and now my whole focus is is on philanthropy. And Lord, you know, restore me so I can give. And and it's been so hard not to be able to give uh, in the way that we have wanted to. But I've had to rely on 
on the time and the talents uh, piece of the 3T puzzle. Uh, and I was sharing on, on my show on Tuesday that, you know, uh, I realized uh, I'm, I'm an avid reader and just have a, a wonderful library, but a lot of the books sitting on my shelf, I'm not going to ever read again. And so I've started throwing those in the trunk of my car. And, and one of the things about homeless people is, you know, it's a long day out there living on the streets. And uh, now I, I uh, share my books with them, and, and now I see these homeless people sitting out reading on the corner. And, you know, and, and so they have time to actually invest back in themselves because uh, a lot of the books that I share are books that are, uh, you know, are, are inspirational. So uh, anyway, that, that's just what's been going on on, on uh, our side of things. Great. Great to hear that. And I'll say that's what I call – a tap moment. <laughs> so, so tell me about some of the other stories that you tell uh, in in the book, The Tap. What are, what are some of those other kinds of tap moments that we need to be uh, sensitive to in our lives? Well, let me turn to one of my favorite chapters in the book, which is uh, Chapter Nine, and I have this small little uh, I think it's in Chapter Nine, small little checklist of um, uh, small taps. Let me just find it here. It's, uh, the chapter is titled "Say Yes More Than No," and it—I'm uh, sorry—that's chapter six. And as we're learning to feel the tap, because it does not come naturally for many of us, I've got this little um, uh, nine small tap moment opportunities that you turn into a list and you carry in your wallet and how long it takes you to check them off your list. Very small, very simple. Like, hey, Frank, I can't build a village in Haiti. That's just way beyond me right now. Okay, good. We don't start there. And we have a, a little blog on the-tap.com where people share their life tap moments. Uh-huh. Number one, replace store merchandise that's been dropped on the floor. Walking down the aisle, you see store merchandise, pick it up, put it on the hanger. Number two, graciously accept some kindness from a stranger. Number three, carry someone else's purchase out of the out to the car for them. Number four, refer a client to a competitor. Number five, tip the custodian in the airport and express your thanks. Number six, write a thank you note with gratuity for hotel housekeeping. Number seven, compliment the cook at a fast food restaurant and tip them $5. Number eight, let someone with children cut ahead of you in line at the grocery store. And number nine, drop some change in someone else's parking meter. So this is all, those are very simple, but it's all a conditioning exercise to prepare you for you know, greater, more significant tap moments. And when you do those little things, like I've taught my daughter to do that since she was as little as I can remember. We're at a, you know, a Denny's, and she would pick her up, and I used to hold her up over the counter and make sure she gave that short order cook that $5 tip. Now, wherever we go, if we're traveling to an airport or we're at a hotel, and she sees somebody who's not paid attention to, who's you know busting the tables, who's you know probably actually down here from Haiti. She will make sure, Daddy, can I have a dollar or five dollars, whatever, to go to give to that person. Wow. And so you know, you know, and that that's just passing it from one generation to the next. But in the in the book, I teach people how to really condition themselves to live a tapped life. And and how good does it make us feel? I mean, honestly, that is a wonderful starting point. The other thing I reference in the book is there are seven stages to feeling the tap. Uh, and and I'll, I'll go through them very quickly. Number, number one is complete oblivion. 
there are people out there, believe it or not, who don't know that the concept of sharing one's blessings even exists. So hopefully you're not at that stage two is awareness but not wanting to participate. Uh, and, you know, we see plenty of those people. Stage three is uh, awareness, participating, but grudgingly. I'm an usher at a 6.45 a.m. mass at my church, and I see people take that dollar when I'm passing the collection plate, crunch it up, you know, to the size of an M&M, and stuff it in the collection basket with a scowl on their face. You don't want to be stage three. Stage four is I, I, will, I will give, but I want to make sure I'm recognized, and people are looking at me, and I get recognized for sharing the tap. Number five is I'll give when the getting's good. In other words, when I'm doing good, I'll share. When I'm not, I won't. Then we break through. Six and seven, they're very similar where um, they become, the tap moments, we we invite them into our life. We we make them a part of our business plan. And and that's something where, uh, you know, it's these small little things I reference here or it's making sure that like you just referenced the three T's in the Bible, we are out there and now, yes, I, I understand, I'm sensitive to these, these tap moments come to us with more frequency. And also when that happens, and we act on them, Chicky, not just experience them, but we act on them, right. that's when they become larger. Right. So th- there's a great chapter that takes you through those seven cycles and how to move yourself from one level to the next. Well, I can't wait to read the tap. And, and one of the things that I, uh, again, I've, I've got a couple of passions on this front, and one is uh, precisely what you described with your daughter, and that is leaving the legacy with my children and many other children of figuring out how to give of their time, their talents, and their treasures. And uh, I, I have set up a, a charity that my daughter uh, will head up called Kids for Humanity. And, and my goal isn't to actually be the one administering, um, you know, money and, and figuring out what, what uh, you know, projects to support and to actually do the production of, of those projects, but to become a junior charity, to let kids have a hand in helping uh, in the things that they're talented in that will help an already established charity uh, get to the next level. And, and the, the whole motto of this is that helping hands come in all sizes and that it's not just being able to write that check, whether it's for you know $5,000 or $100,000 or, or putting that dollar uh, in, in the plate at church, but really being able to figure out how to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And you know that is clearly what I am observing in, in your behavior and in writing uh, the book, The Tap, and, and sharing that with others. And um, I just, I find it, uh, inspiring. So thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to the tap, responding to the tap, and handing it on. And uh, I uh, look forward to the day when, when we can meet face to face and uh, that I can learn a little bit more from you. Well, feel free to use the books as you know giveaways to people anytime you just email us and we'll send you up some to your, your office there and you can use them as incentives or whatever for your program because you have, you have the audience that would really benefit from uh, from reading the tap, I'm sure, and I encourage people to go to learn more about the tap to our website, which is frank-mckinney.com. And I uh, I need to get one of the Dead Fred books in the mail here. Well, that would be great. And I did send you my address. And I, I also head up a uh, a group called the Executive Girlfriends Group, and I've got over 325 executive women, primarily in the travel industry and those industries that support. 
the travel uh, uh, industry. So I would like to share with them uh, about your book and uh, perhaps get you as a, a guest. Uh, we have a little vignette uh, time on, on a 90-minute call that we have on Fridays. And we have, uh, you know, 10 to 15 minutes where we have a speaker uh, talk about different things. And uh, lately we've had a lot of people talking about charities. So I would love for you to talk about your, your caring uh, home project. And uh, I will be in touch with you to schedule that. Okay. Well, great. Thanks for having me today. And, and I'm really glad to have met you. Oh, Frank, it's been a real blessing and uh, a privilege. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay, well now uh, I am going to turn to uh, one of my favorite parts of the week, and that is spending time with my dear friend, Chris Bradshaw, and let me get her on the air. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Am I there? You are (laughs) there. You are there, and I mean, it has just been another incredible day, and and, uh, I am glad you can join me for this, and uh, I am I am sad that you don't get to be with me every week now, but we only have one more week of the show before we uh, take Solutions Live on hiatus for the summer. Um, Oh, well, good for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I have to listen to my own messages, right? You know, and I talk about leaving a legacy, and I have an incredible opportunity this summer really for the first time uh, to dedicate myself uh, more to being a mom to my children, and uh, I've had... uh, I mean, Kira's uh, 11 and Sergey's 9, and uh, Sergey has been with us uh, for six years, and there has never been a summer where, where I have actually devoted uh, a lot of time to them. I've always had uh, a caregiver, a nanny, and uh, last summer my husband uh, filled in quite a lot uh, in, in being with them. So we are now planning a road trip. And, oh, that's uh, cool. Oh, it is so cool, and I mean, you know, I've I've uh, devoted the last uh, three years and about seven million dollars <laughs> into building road trip planning technology. And uh, even though the company is not active right now, the product is still alive. So we're actually using RoadEscapes.com to plan our trip up to the Smoky Mountains, and we're going to go camping. <laughs> So, you know, these are children who have only seen, you know, four-star hotels and, uh, you know, uh, uh, wonderful berths on a cruise ship for their vacations. And now we are taking them back to where I was in my childhood of going camping. Oh, they will love it. They will. And actually, it's so cool to see uh, Michael, uh, my husband, uh, who is just so excited about planning this. And yesterday he went, we're we're actually going to rent a tent camper and mm-hmm. uh, you know, pull that behind the sequoia, and and uh, so he brought home pictures of that, and it's just been it's been really really cool. So well, I was yes. raised camping, so yeah, yeah, Very you cool. know, and we, we, we did it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did it all the time when I was little, and and so uh, it'll it'll be fun to to share a little bit of that with them. Uh, don't know how they'll do uh, for ten days with no TV. I think we probably will break down and let them take the uh, Nintendos, but just because we're going to be in the car for a long time. Well, excellent. I look forward to hearing all about it when you get back. That means you will have a lot to share because I know you. You'll take notes. You'll be able to tell us um, kind of all the ahas and epiphanies that you have while you're there and the growth that you guys go through. Um, Oprah yesterday had a big thing about people letting go of, of their stuff and 
and um, spending time without their technology and and the uh, impact that had on people's lives and it was really oh, yeah. quite quite wonderful. So well, you know, I'm hearing what it does with you guys. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm I'm thinking actually uh, about uh, kind of memorial memorializing what we have been through over the last uh, really the last six or eight months um, in you know kind of getting over stuff. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, I, I've got my my book on the business side coming out hopefully in June. I don't have a, a date yet from my publisher. Of the book is called Bootstrap Business, and I'm thinking about doing. Uh, and, and in that book, I'm just a, a contributing author with a bunch of other uh, authors and consultants. But I'm thinking about doing one of you know bootstrapping your life, and and what wonderful things can come out of uh, you know getting rid of stuff and decluttering and really shifting that focus from the intense focus on stuff and accomplishment and success uh, to really focusing about getting into a place where you can give, which is, uh, I, I know you just heard the last couple of minutes of Frank McKinney, um, and, and maybe we should kind of work backwards uh, today of me sharing uh, the different uh, guests I've had this week, because uh, while it's fresh in my mind... Um, Frank is uh, actually had a, a pretty amazing story. I didn't really know his history, um, but he uh, said he had actually gone to a number of different high schools, and it wasn't by choice. He had been kicked out of school after school and, and landed uh, in Miami when he was just 18 uh, with not very much money in his pocket, um, but ended up uh, getting, um, you know, kind of hobnobbing with people who ended up having a lot of money, and, and I'll have to let you listen to uh, the whole part of that story. But to make a long story short, Frank is uh, a very talented artist and not the kind of artistry we would typically think of, of, of painting or sculpting or, or some type of, of physical art that you create, uh, you know, specifically with your hands. But, but he is an artist in creating uh, multi-million dollar mansions uh, with the Atlantic Ocean as the background of the painting and, and so he builds uh, you know started out with two million dollar homes and now it's uh, you know the the 20 20 million dollar variety and just created one of the um, the first and, and largest green homes uh, you know through uh, the talent that God has given to him and and you know his story is one of uh, you know again taking all of his talents and and you know, turning them into helping others. And he has a project called the Caring House Project. I, I apologize, I think I called it the Caring Home Project earlier. But the Caring House Project, he has taken uh, the wealth that he has amassed, and as he builds a home, he turns around and builds self-sustaining villages. So not only building homes uh, for people who don't have a place to live, primarily in Haiti, uh, where there's been so much devastation, uh, uh, particularly in the last few years from hurricanes, but he he builds uh, you know entire uh, self-sufficient villages with housing and food and water and medical support and oppor opportunity, uh, including teaching entrepreneurialism for the desperately poor and homeless. And I mean, it's just an amazing way to take uh, those gifts and and turn them into something that helps others. Wow. <laughs> Wow, you know, and and um, 
he I'm sure he wouldn't describe himself this way, but if you take a look at his website, uh, you know, he, he is a, a bit and flamboyant isn't even the right term because having just spoken to him, I would never use that that term. But when you look at him, I mean, he looks like he should be a rock star. Uh, and, and that actually is kind of the way he was described to me. Uh, he had uh, been one of the speakers at uh, Bob Berg's um, Extreme Business Makeover, which happened the week that I was at uh, at, at Trace Diaz, so I wasn't able to go. But Frank was introduced uh, to me by uh, my good friend Svetlana Kim, uh, who also was at Bob's weekend, and also Libby Gill was there. So anyway, it was just a real honor uh, to interview Frank. Uh, again, he's the author of a book called The Tap, uh, also wrote uh, a book. And in fact, he said he released all three of these books on the same day, which having written uh, multiple books, I know was what is entailed in that. His second book was Burst This, Frank McKinney's Bubble-Proof Real Estate Strategies. And then he's got a book for kids called Dead Fred, Flying Lunchboxes and the Good Luck Circle. And so this is kind of his answer to, uh, you know, some of the other uh, kids' uh, adventure genre books, uh, you know, with a bit more of his uh, his faith background. So anyway, it was just really a treat uh, to interview him. And then at 10.30 this morning, uh, I was uh, blessed to have Rini Cavallari, who I, I think you have met, Rini. Uh, she is a, a good friend of mine and part of the Executive Girlfriends group and runs a uh, hospitality training company called uh, Aspire Marketing, and um, she also is the founder of something called Wings to Fly, which is a camp for girls from age 12 to 17, and she teaches the girls self-esteem, and uh, I mean, I just, I love her to death, but it was really great to hear not only her story of why she created the camp, but we also had on as a guest uh, 12-year-old Claire and her mom. Uh, who told the story of how the, going to the camp when she was age 10 actually transformed her life. So that was, that was very, very cool. Oh, it's always so neat to have the, you have the kids on. Anyway. Well, yeah. and that show is called Kids with Character, and it, it is really the foundation behind uh, one of my other projects that I am going to uh, do this summer, uh, in addition to spending time with my kids and taking a vacation. Um, I am planning on writing a compilation style book called Kids for Humanity uh, and the Story of Kids with Character. And in that book are going to be people like, um, you know, Claire and like Rini who have created something for kids as well as a whole bunch of kids, um, you know, who I have met through um, one of the guests we had a few weeks ago, uh, the Billion Dollar Babies Lady. Oh, and, yeah, and, I yeah, and some of the other kids that we've had on that have created businesses and then have turned around uh, to use the profits of those businesses to help other people. So I think that's going to be a really fun project. Oh, yeah, very cool. And then at 10 o'clock, our opening guest today on on the new segment that I started last week called Real Life Heroes, uh, I had a, a very, very poised young woman uh, named Anna O'Connor, who is uh, suffering from a very, very rare form of cancer. And uh, she's actually in the hospital as many, uh, well, as few as two days a week and sometimes all week getting all of these treatments, uh, many of whom are, are experimental. But this woman has such poise and such grace. And I believe she's 22. I, I, she's somewhere in that, that age range and is just uh, trying to raise money to help uh, other children who suffer from this. It's typically an infant 
uh, disease that uh, has a very, very high mortality rate. But uh, she has a website called AnnaBanana.org, and Anna oh. Banana was her, her nickname when she was young. And she is putting on an event this summer in Chicago called Annapalooza. And I thought, wow, she must have just like some incredible marketing minds behind her. And, in fact, she does. She's got a group of women, uh, businesswomen in the Chicago area who are helping her uh, on her board of her charity, uh, which I believe is called Anna's Hope. So uh, that was just really, really neat. And also I introduced her to Tiffany. And Tiffany, uh, with her laughter yoga business, is going to uh, uh, help uh, with the Annapalooza event and hopefully introduce Anna and some of her colleagues who are going through uh, chemotherapy and, and just some of these really challenging treatments and see if we can't interject laughter and uh, help out a bit uh, on that. Oh, event. cool. Yes. Yeah. So uh, nice. that was really, really neat. And, you know, I mean, I, I have to say that uh, while I really enjoy the Tuesday shows, which are, are focused really on, on the business subjects, um, you know, the, the Thursday show that has always been kind of the personal side of professional life, um, you know, is, is really nearest and dearest to my heart of, of talking about taking what we have been given, uh, both good and bad, and, and helping others learn and benefit from that. And, and certainly Anna has been dealt a, a pretty awful hand. She didn't find out that she had cancer uh, until she was 17. And, again, this is a, a disease that normally strikes uh, infants. Um, but, boy, she has just turned, uh, you know, what she has been given into an amazing blessing for others. Um, the show on Tuesday, and I'll start with the first guest on Tuesday morning, uh, and, and this is really actually a, a funny story, is I had Dan Bricklin on my show. And uh, uh, many people know Dan Bricklin as as the uh, one of the co-inventors uh, of one of the earliest spreadsheet programs. And... Um, you know, later he developed, and this was in the mid-'80s, he developed a program called Dan Bricklin's Demo, and it was one of the earliest prototyping tools for developing software. And ah. back when I worked for Sabre and, and Agency Data Systems, which was still a part of American Airlines back in the mid-'80s, um, I used the Dan Bricklin Demo program to uh, lay out the design for a product called Capture, which Bob Crandall had, had given me, you know, $5 million to go off and acquire this technology and, and to transform it to uh, from running on, uh, you know, larger mainframe computers running Unix uh, onto PCs, which were brand new, you know, in, in the uh, 1986 time frame. And, and we used to joke, uh, you know, when people would do a demo, you know, is it live or is it Dan Bricklin? And, you know, I mean, who would have known that 20 years later I would be interviewing this guy on a radio show? And he is an amazing uh, technologist, inventor, and one of the earliest bloggers. Um, and uh, what he has done is taken all of the blogging that he did uh, since the late 90s and uh, has turned that into a book. So it's called Bricklin on Technology, and uh, I haven't finished reading it yet, but uh, he just was a great interview, and uh, un unlike a lot of technologists, he had a great sense of humor, <laughs> which, which uh, made it a really fun interview. And so he talked really about the role that technology plays in leaving a legacy and how many of us um, you know, maybe we've written in the past and we, we wrote, uh, you know, documents in Word or, or maybe other word processing programs. 
and uh, never captured them on forward editions of those products. And and I can tell you, my mother uh, transcribed all of her dad's diaries, but it was like back on WordPerfect or something that I'm not even sure still exists. And it was on those big floppy disks. And I don't even know where those disks are now, but, you know, basically those Uh, files are lost. And I think, you know, one of my cousins has the original diaries, or maybe my sister does. But um, at any rate, he was talking about both that and photos and and, uh, things that were on reel-to-reel tape or cassette tape, that if you don't get those, you know, taken to a newer technology and continue moving them forward in technology, there's a lot of our legacy that will be lost. Good point. Yeah, so it really made me, uh, you know, think and take stock of the things uh, that I wrote early on or things that were done in early, early, not even blogging programs, but I remember writing about my whole journey with infertility back before Kira was conceived, and that was all done on one of AOL's very, very early platforms, uh, you know, because this would have been in... in, uh, the very early days of the Internet. And and recently I know that they actually stopped using that program. And fortunately I was find, able to find on the Wayback Machine, uh, you know, which is at, at uh, www.archive.org, uh, copies of, of those original websites, uh, even though they're, they're not live anymore. So that was very right. interesting. And then at 10.30 on my leadership uh, half hour, I had John McBride, who was one of the original shuttle uh, captains, and uh, so he is a former astronaut and is currently working over at Kennedy Space Center. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, on May 2nd, we were going uh, to take our children over to the Kennedy Space Center uh, as Sergey's birthday present. And Sergey broke his leg, of course, on Tuesday, the 28th of, of April, so we have had to postpone that. But the good news is that we are now going to get to go on June 13th, which is the next shuttle launch, and we are going to be hosted by John McBride. And, of course, uh, our dear friend Annette Hogan is the head of uh, marketing for the Kennedy Space Center uh, as a part of her role with Delaware North. So we are just going to have an unforgettable day at Kennedy Space Center with John McBride. Awesome. That's just wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. And the timing couldn't be better. <laughs> yeah, because uh, today, hopefully, Sergey is getting his full cast off, and, and hopefully we'll end up at the end of the day with a boot cast, so he'll be a little bit more mobile. Although, although I'll tell you what, he flies uh, with his crutches and, and his full-leg cast. Of course uh, he does. Uh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the cool thing about what John McBride was sharing was, uh, you know, he really talked a lot about uh, his passion for education and helping kids understand you know, how to achieve their p- potential by paying attention in school, by listening to their teachers and listening to their parents, by not doing drugs and getting sucked into bad behavior and, and, and into a bad crowd. And a lot of what John does at the Kennedy Space Center is working with a program called An Encounter with an Astronaut. And that's one of the things that we will get to do on the 13th of June when we're there. So uh, really, really looking forward to that. And then at 11 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, I had as my guest John Milton Fogg, who is just a real character. Um, He has written a book called uh, The Greatest Networker in the World. 
and has an amazing number of uh, online resources available that he gives away free. And, you know, which wow. isn't, isn't surprising to me because I met John uh, through my friends, um, John David Mann and Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver. And so John Milton Fogg is a go-giver of the highest order, uh, realizing that by connecting people to resources and to other people and and really sharing the gifts that he has, that uh, it is through that that he will receive. And, uh, you know, he just, he's, uh, like I said, he's a real character. He's in his early 60s and has young kids, and we, we share the passion for wanting to dance at our children's weddings uh, since we <laughs> did uh, become parents later in life. Actually, John has a couple of older children, I think, from a previous marriage, but um, just a really, really neat guy. And, and we talked a little bit about networking, but talked a lot about uh, busting out of the belief systems that we establish um, in in our lives and and that tend to control us if we don't uh, figure out how to get back control. And uh, anyway, just an amazing guy. Uh, and uh, if you get a chance, well, I will post on, on the website uh, because I haven't had a chance to get caught up from Tuesday's show yet. Uh, I'll put in the blog uh, about the different links, because you will love uh, hearing some of his stuff. Um, oh, it sounds like it. Yeah, and then uh, actually at 11.30 on Tuesday, uh, Pamela and I, uh, my co-host, uh, Pamela Skillings, uh, and I decided not to have a guest. Um, you know, while I've really enjoyed uh, interviewing the different people from her book, Escape from Corporate America, uh, and we titled the show Corporate Escape Artists, we really just took time to kind of sit back and uh, and just chat about our own experiences of leaving corporate America and, you know, what it's like for people right now who are looking for a job or wanting to make a change or wanting to leave corporate America and really how to cope and, and look for opportunities in the current economic environment. So that was really very cool. And then, then yesterday um, I did a, a two-hour special uh, series, which we call Transition Solutions. Uh, I, I do it on a little bit different channel on Blog Talk Radio, uh, which is blogtalkradio.com slash resume live. And uh, we interviewed Libby Gill uh, for an hour, which was really great because she talks about, uh, you know, really staying on top of your game during your transition and also how to uh, really brand yourself and, and come up with a compelling brand and you know people used to talk about that as being your elevator speech but you know uh for Libby uh it really is a whole lot more than that and so that was a lot of fun and then uh we also had on again uh someone who's been on Solutions Live before uh Rory Cohen and Rory wrote the book uh Take 10 and and the book really talks about how how to achieve your dreams in 10 minutes a day and breaking things that can be really daunting down into 10 minute tasks um, and then lastly, yesterday, uh, we also had on Chris Jackson uh, with Apical Resources, who is uh, Solutions Media's new partner in helping people find uh, permanent positions, particularly those people who are in the hospitality and travel industry, uh, which is, of course, uh, my heritage and yours. So that is it for the recap of the week. Now I want to hear what's going on in your life. Tell me oh, wow. the learnings. Wow. 
tell me the learnings that have been going on with Chris Bradshaw uh, and you have recently you you've been a corporate escape artist several times over uh, you're currently uh, involved in a new entrepreneurial venture and just tell me what you're learning well you know what's been fascinating is the founder um, when we found each other because you know that's the thing with startups it's very hard to it's not like they go out and post jobs, right? Mm-hmm. The founder has found everybody she needs when she needed them. And it's been interesting that people just show up. As long as you step out there and acknowledge that they just showed up, right? They right. get put in your path. The people you need get put in your path. So it's up to you to take advantage of that, to either reach out, to say hello, to know more, to acknowledge, to notice, to be observant that something just came into your path. So I think for me, I can't remember if I shared this with you last week or not, but yes, I did, about having someone come up to me at the Y and know me. Right. And how I've lived in this house for 10 years in this neighborhood, but really except for my immediate neighbors, hardly knew anyone. Yep. And you and I both have had a goal of kind of getting a more local presence for ourselves and having a local life, and I had that person show up. Um, and so I've been meeting and doing, and that has been great. And, you know, I think one of the reasons I was so attracted to travel was because of this feeling of spaciousness and openness and the, na- and the global nature of it, and maybe because of not being wanting to be kind of tied down, locked in, imprisoned, I don't know. But I'm realizing that I don't have to go very far for there to be huge opportunities and interesting people and fascinating conversations. So there you go. You know, and I have have actually shared uh, your tagline from the uh, Executive Girlfriends group site with you. You noticed. Oh my gosh, not only have I noticed it, I've mentioned it uh, on on several of my shows this week. And in particular, uh, Tiffany and and Libby and I were talking about it yesterday because you're right, you and I, and and actually Tiffany has been on on this same path of discovery, in fact, in in almost the same time frame, uh, of discovering that there is life outside of the travel industry. And not only that, uh, but there is life locally. And your tagline on the Executive Girlfriends group site is loving life locally. And I just find that really inspiring because I'm doing the same thing. And I remember uh, distinctly four years ago, and I am so blessed to have such amazing close female friends, uh, you know, you uh, right at the top of that list. But what I was lacking is local friends. And Michael and I had been involved with a church down here ever since we moved here, but I never got to know any of the women. The church happened to have been in a neighborhood that was, you know, kind of low income. The women who did go to the church, like, homeschooled their kids. And, you know, I mean, we just didn't click. We didn't Yeah, just not a lot in common. Yeah. No, and even amongst my neighbors. uh, And, you know, I mean, we live in a great neighborhood, and and we really have wonderful neighbors but I never made really close friendships with any of my neighbors except for Felicia next door, and she's got four boys and, you know, is just so busy with that. We never really... I lost you. 
I lost you. Help! Help! Tiki! Hey there, sorry about that. We had a power outage. Chris, are you still there? Okay, well, uh, just to wrap up my story, uh, I have been blessed over the last uh, couple of years to make some amazing uh, friends here locally and uh, just have expanded my network in an amazing way. So uh, I... Uh, we are getting right to the end of, of the show, and I just want to thank everybody who has been listening. Uh, I uh, cannot get back online to our, uh, our system, but thank you so much, and have a great day.